Hello and welcome to FGC Philosophy, where we level up inside and outside the virtual arena by talking about topics and having guests on the show that I think are important to talk about. So today I've got Ocelot Youth, aka Ocelot, on the show. Uh, I've ran into this guy a few times now. Um, I think Combo Breaker was the first time I met you in person, perhaps, but I've also seen you uh, online uh, via social media. You um, and I believe also your wife are both members of the FGC, which are really awesome. But nonetheless, he's got a new clothing line out. Uh, I wanted to get him on the show just to pick his brain, learn about his experiences, and know a little bit more about this person. So thank you, and welcome to the show. How are you doing? Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thinking about me, dude. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I um, I mean, what's funny is we we just fought, uh, like, a, what was it Monday or two Mondays ago? It was last Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, I think that's actually the first time I ever played you, even. Yeah, I had thought about that, because I knew you played, uh, historically, Birdie. And yeah. I'll ask more about that in a second, but I know you played Birdie, but then you also had like a two-man Vega, and then who was the last <laughs> It wasn't Bison. Who was it? It was somebody else. It was, it was uh, me as Birdie slash Vega, then we had another Vega player, and then we had Sebman, who was a Grandmaster Birdie. So we has, essentially had two Birdies, two Vegas. Ah, okay. I was I was in the middle to see if I needed to use Birdie or Vega. So I'll ask more about that in a second. But Yeah. So... The first question I always ask everybody is, what brought you to the FGC? Oh, geez. Well, I'm 34 years old, so I kind of grew up in the era where Street Fighter 2 hit huge. You know, I'm I'm from that era where after school I would ride my bike to the mall <laughs> and and play Super Turbo on a really crappy arcade cabinet and like a tilt. And, you know, I've been in and out of it pretty much my whole life since then. But I took about a 10-year hiatus to play DDR competitively. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I still played fighting games pretty casually then. And then when Street Fighter Four came out, uh, I kind of got back into it. And I competed a little bit in Marvel 3. Nothing to write home about. But uh, when they brought my man Birdie back for Street Fighter Five, that's when I came back full steam, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, I, I played Birdie in Alpha 2, and he was just a terrible character. I played Birdie in Sodom. Um, so when they brought Birdie back, I was I was really excited. So that's what brought me back full-time into Street Fighter. Yeah, it's actually interesting seeing, like... So I've been playing since 4. I've, I've played, like, every iteration, or at least the main ones, but very casually up until 4. And, mm -hmm. like, I really have just, like, since the beginning, I know everything about, not everything, but I've known, like, the history of Street Fighter V for the most part. I've kept up to date with it. Because even Street Fighter Four, I was, like, way behind when I got into it towards the tail end of Ultra. And it's so cool seeing, like, a lot of people who played a long time ago getting back into Street Fighter because of the, I guess, the character variety, I'll say, in Street Fighter V. Well, I'm, like, a big lore head. So, like, when I see a weird character like Birdie who never was really fleshed out and they brought him back and they made him fat. So that's like, you know, that's like an immediate thing where like, all right, I gotta, I have to see why this character looks like this. Not that like street fighter five is like super rich in lore. Right. Um, no. but it at least gives me something, <laughs> you, you know? And I, I appreciate when they come out with brand new characters, like when Ed came out or Colleen, you know, I hadn't seen Colleen playable. Um, stuff like that. I can definitely see can bring people that, wouldn't traditionally be into hey i'm gonna play this game competitively might pick a game up because they remember that's why i think they should bring e honda back even though i hate the character um characters like that and blanca are pretty big for bringing in casual audience 
it's like I work in an arcade bar and there's so many people that come in and they're like, oh, you know, what do you do? What do you do besides bartend? Say, oh, I'm a Street Fighter V player. And they immediately, the characters they immediately go to are like Blanca, E Honda, and Dalsim. Those are, those are like the casual uh, magnets, I guess. <laughs> I have to backtrack and ask about uh, like competitive DDR. Like, can you at least tell me a little bit about uh, like what that's about? Yeah, um, I got into that late in high school. I think um, I got into it through a program called Step Mania, which is essentially like an emulated version of DDR on a PC. You play with oh, a yeah. keyboard, and I wrote step charts for that for a really long time too. I got into that first, and then I li- I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, and then when I was in high school Cincinnati finally got a DDR machine and we had a pretty big community I was kind of an asshole uh, in that, in that community I was known for for starting trouble in that community but yeah I, I competed in that I was never really great but I was always pretty good I was nowhere near like best in the city but I was definitely better than uh, the standard person that would just get up and play no, that's uh, that's super sick. I gotta say, like I've always loved DDR, especially the music that came along with DDR. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's really cool that you actually uh, had the balls to even like attempt competitive uh, DDR, just because like I was a shy kid back then. So I gotta respect that. We actually went and played yesterday. Oh, nice, dude. That's yeah, cool. <laughs> still playing with my with my old knees cracking every time I oh, move. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my 30s and I definitely can relate to what you're talking about. So yeah, I get yeah. that. It's the back for me. What if anything? has translated from competitive DDR over to competitive Street Fighter V? Uh, the biggest thing is my reactions. Because going from a game where you have to be, uh, no pun intended, frame perfect on hitting uh, <laughs> notes on beat, you know, like the, when you hit everything perfect or marvelous, as it were, in a DDR song, you get, you know, you get graded at the end of a DDR song. If you hit everything perfectly, you get what's called a triple A. Um, Mm-hmm. And that to be able to hit everything perfectly for a minute and a half to two minutes, like that's that's very hard. I was talking about that with Sarah, my wife, last night. Like that's it. Being around that community and being around really good players and seeing that stuff happen often, it kind of desensitizes you to it. But think about that. Like when you're keeping beat with a song that's like 150 BPM and you're hitting it perfectly for you know, a minute and a half, minute 45, that's, that's hard. You have to have very quick reflexes. Um, and then going from that and then playing Marvel three, mm. that, that kind of build up my reflexes too. Um, it definitely translates, you know, it definitely translates to, to fighting games, rhythm games do, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that. Like something, a thought I've had a lot, like I like to, uh, theory fight a lot. And so sometimes I think about things more than I get to do them just because I have not put enough time into Street Fighter. But um, one of the things that I, I like doing is playing rhythm games because I think it helps me anticipate. Like a lot of times the issue isn't my execution. It's the fact that I don't recognize the situation fast enough. And I think that if I familiarize myself with recognizing a situation often and also reacting to it at a high speed, then um, that's going to build that muscle memory where I can have those disciplined reactions. And that's the time not put in is what I think is the biggest issue. But I guess uh, my question is, what do you think about that? Like, do you agree? Do you disagree? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think playing rhythm games or, or just like games that require high dexterity, that definitely translates. Even if it's just a sense of like, my fingers are used to moving faster or my eyes are used to, 
uh, judging scenarios quicker. You know, like like yeah. if I'm pl- if I'm playing a, a DDR song and it's going at a you know 180 BPM and I need to know when to turn or something like that. Like that's a it, it comes second nature after playing for so long. But at the end of the day, I'm still reading a situation. You know, eventually it becomes memorization, but I'm still reading a situation where I'm like, okay, I have to turn backwards at this point, or I have to turn sideways at that point. That's, you know, that's the same as if you have me in the corner and you're going to go for you as a Fong player, going to go for a low into an instant overhead. Like that's a, situ- a situation that I can read quicker, I think, because of mental dexterity given to me by those games. Gotcha. And then that kind of helps with. I guess what kind of helps that is having predetermined reactions to that situation. So one part right. of it is recognizing it, and the other part is having an answer to that specific situation. A lot of people may have one, but not always the other one. Uh, mm-hmm. Myself included in that that scenario or that group of people. It sounds like something this is like you're really really passionate about, and I wonder if that had anything like when you talked about being frame perfect. Obviously, that's the same name as the the clothing line, but I just want to know <laughs> right. something along what you said just now inspire the naming of your company. Um, sort of. I mean, really, at the end of the day, I was just looking for something really cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Basically, just what I was going for when I created that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a graphic design and advertising background. Uh, that's what I went to school for. So, along the lines of when I started playing Street Fighter Five, I was kind of convinced, like, okay, I want to get picked up, but I wanted to be picked up by a company that wasn't like a traditional esports sponsor. Um, I kind of wanted to bust that open for the community where like, I want to get sponsored by a clothing brand or something like that. Um, and I don't know, somewhere along the line, I was just like, you know what? I think I can just do this myself. Um, especially with a with design background, an advertising background, like, you know, I have the chops to design this stuff myself and, at least get a little notoriety from it. I know that's kind of off topic. Um, no, go ahead. But, you know, in terms of the name, I was looking at pseudo related to fighting games, pseudo related to other games, because, you know, that's frame perfect. That's not just a, uh, a FGC term. You yeah. see it in speedrunning, you see it in DDR, you see it in everything else. I just wanted something that could kind of latch on to more than just one community. Because, you know, I'm putting out, majority putting out fighting game shirts, but I'm also doing DDR shirts. I have a bunch of other ideas. I'm going to be doing some shirts for the Yakuza series soon. You know, like, that's just stuff that I'm into and, you know, that I think fits the uh, motif I'm going for. A lot of people don't really, I guess, pay attention to or study the world of entrepreneurship. And honestly, I think in 2019 and 2018 and years before, like learning how to be an entrepreneur on top of having a a day job or even not having one, just learning how to have some sort of real estate online to be able to uh, sustain yourself is something that a lot of people don't even look at as a possibility. Uh, So they never even put effort into it, never make it happen. Yeah, I think that that's definitely a trait that's not widely explored in the FGC. You know, I see a lot of content creators doing their thing and that's great i mean i think that's really the future of how to get ahead in the esports industry because not everyone could be punk you know not not everyone be can be tokido but i feel like there's enough money to be made in this industry in ways that aren't just playing and winning all the time 
I absolutely agree. I absolutely yeah. agree 100%. Like that's a that's a topic I'm super passionate about and it's something I've been trying to talk about for years so it's really nice to just hear someone who has this this mindset as well. I yeah. think there are there are definitely people um if you go back and look at Gutex, he has that mindset. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But a lot of people unfortunately and it's I guess it's kind of a negative tangent, not so much a complaint but just an observation that a lot of people just outright reject that kind of mentality of not finding a way to monetize yourself in a subject matter that you love. I love fighting games, but I also want to find a way to make it sustainable so that I can put more time back into it. Right, exactly. I think a lot of people um, that have that same mindset as us uh, are, are viewed as people who, um, I guess sometimes, I guess the obvious term would be sellout. But that's a tangent. That's a digression. Uh, I do want to know, kind of the, the same question from DDR and Street Fighter is, what, if anything, has transferred from those to, you know, you're still getting started, but it sounds like you have experience with marketing and stuff like that. But what has transferred to this specific, um, I guess, uh, I'll say entrepreneurship towards apparel? I, I think it comes down to the same, like, recognizing patterns. Um, you know, I can go online, I can go on Instagram, and I can look at ads that pop up, and I can look at how many impressions that that ad has, or I can look at, you know, on Facebook if I get a sponsored post about, you know, some shirt company that I don't really care about, but it pops up and I can see that it has one share, two likes, and then I'll continue to scroll down my feed and I'll see another ad pop up and it'll be like 43 shares and 70 something likes or whatever. It's, it's like, okay, what's the difference between these two things? You know, um, like cognitively, picking out patterns, even in like, you know, even in advertisement, it's easy to tell when somebody's lazily promoting something or lazily creating something as a pair, as opposed to someone who has a passion and puts, you know, time and effort and drive into promoting and, and advertising and creating. Cause it's easy to just come up with an idea and make it, but to actually have drive to do it well and and to follow up on it and stuff like that like it's not everywhere how did you get your drive well where do i start uh, about 10 years ago when i moved to columbus ohio oh geez 13 years ago at this point mm. um i worked in a job i worked in the legal field um as like a litigation specialist support manager or whatever. Basically what that is, is I just did grunt work for um, legal secretaries, lawyers, stuff like that. And I did that for 10 years and it sucked. You know, I, I eventually broke and I was just like, I'm sick of getting yelled at by old ladies <laughs> that like, don't mean anything to me. And like, I'm sick of getting yelled at for stuff that the people under me did that I didn't catch or that I let them do just dumb stuff. Oh, this image was scanned wrong, you know, and this messed everything up. I just got cussed out by too many attorneys <laughs> in, a, in a 10 year span. And I just eventually was just like, man, I gotta, I have to do something that I love and I have to do it for myself and spending 10 years in a work environment where like, you know, I, I made good money, but I was just super unhappy for 10 years. I just know I never want to go back to that, you know, and if it's if it's not me professionally playing Street Fighter and, and getting paid by a sponsor, then it's going to be me doing something in that realm and paying myself, essentially. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and I'm a bartender, so I, I have pretty much freedom for a schedule. You know, I, I work late nights home at four in the morning and then I'm up till seven or eight in the morning, wake up around three in the afternoon and do it all over again. But it's nice to have daytime if I need to, where I can get up early and create or I could promote my stuff or I could play six hours of street fighter before I go to work. It's just definitely a different lifestyle. And I, I needed that because it, it working a, a, a crappy job where, like I said, the pay was good, but man, it just beat me for 10 years. And I, I just know I never want to go back to that. Yeah, most definitely. And it sounds like yeah. you really created a, a situation for yourself where you can work towards the, the lifestyle that you want. Yeah. And it was kind of like a die on my sword type thing where I was just like, okay, I'm going back. I, when I was in Cincinnati, when I was younger, I dropped out of college to get a job and I regretted it. Um, but I never really saw myself going back. And then I got this job, uh, in the legal field. And then I, like I said, I just kind of died on my sword. I'm like, I quit. I'm going back to school for design and advertising. That's what I care about. And sink or swim, you know, like if, if, if I fail, if I fail out of school and I'm totally terrible at what I do, then I'll come crawling back. But I, I made it a point to not do that. <laughs> Respect. Okay. Yeah. So I guess what what lessons have you learned that you can kind of convey to other people that maybe want the to at least start working towards their goal? Like say they, they, they want this, but they have a job they hate and maybe they have a good idea, but they just don't know how to make it happen. Like what advice would you give that person? I would not do it like I did it because there were there were a there were a lot of times where I mean, thank God I have a supporting partner who you know also had a good job because there were times where in the past let's see it's 2019 now i quit that job in 2015 um so geez we're looking at four years now um there were times where you know i had three dollars in my bank account and rent was due and it was just lucky that i had a, a partner that could support me when when i needed it um so I would definitely plan, and if I could do it again, I don't know that I would change anything, but I would definitely have some money saved when I did it. Um, so I, I couldn't stress that enough. Plan a little more than I did, kids, <laughs> because <laughs> because the the past four years have definitely not been easy. But now now I'm uh, I'm floating pretty well right now, so I'm doing well. But yeah, it, to anyone trying to get out of a terrible situation and and kind of carve their own path. I mean, it's hard and it sucks a lot of the time and it's going to suck for a while. But once you finally get that goal, it's it's so worth it. Like even if I had only sold two shirts or one shirt uh, with this company, I still would have felt like, okay, you know, I did the right thing because this was my end goal mm -hmm. and I would still be happy. And I, even if I never even did anything with the FGC ever again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out of a toxic situation that I was in for 10 years. So that's a win-win to me. Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate the people who are doing stuff like this because, and let me know if you agree or disagree, but my opinion about this, like I, so full disclosure, I work in the world of esports. Like that's my day job. I do love it. I do like learning about like the professional side of gaming, but I think the one thing for me, like my personal lifestyle is 
like competing in fighting games and getting better at that, being a commentator, like that's what I like to do with my my time. And mm -hmm. I want to see that community grow. And one of the cool things about the FGC that a lot of people don't, I guess they're afraid of losing and some are, are sick of it, is that it is very grassroots right now. There yeah. are some, you know, the 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 in, almost invitationals, you know, where the, only the, prof the professionals go. Those those things are still there, but we also have like street ball. That's what like the locals and like the major events are how I would equate them to, I guess, sports. Um, it's not a one for one, but that's just kind of how I see it. But I love that because then it, the more the individuals learn to be self-sustaining and also contribute to the FGC, the easier it's going to be to stay grassroots. But the less and less people that learn about this community but also learn about entrepreneurship or at least being of some sort of use within the community uh, rather than just, I guess, being a part of it, uh, the, the better it's going to be. The more control we might be able to have depending on obviously the publishers. But, uh, but other than that, I think that we can help make the FGC better if we learn something that's, you know, useful and lucrative. Oh, I agree. Um, I think that that's a skill that, it's not only needed in the FGC, but it's needed in life in general. I mean, that's that's stuff that if you, if you build a a good portfolio of thinking, for for a lack of a better term, um, and and building a brand like that, that follows you for the rest of your life. That's not just that's not just related to FGC or esports. You know that that can shape your job in 10 years that can shape, you know, the rest of your life pretty much. Like look at Gutex, you know, Gutex is a great example of that where he is an entrepreneur, you know, and we met him at combo breaker and, you know, we cut it up with him and he, he's an awesome dude and he gets it, man. Like I've, I, I've talked to a few people, um, you know, pretty much doing the same thing I am and Gutex gets it. Like he knows that, you know, this the, we're all at the end of the day, we're all playing a game, but this game is bringing us all together, and you can you can make something out of that that's not just being the top zero point one percent. You know, most definitely. So I guess if you had to come up with a an answer, you know, no one has the right answer, but what would you say is needed in order for more people to acquire the skill set or the, the mindset of being a uh, entrepreneur. I think you just need to know what you want. I mean, like, what do you want out of this? Like you, like you said, you want to build your community. You have a small community. You're trying to build that up. Um, you know, you want to play and get better and commentate. Like y you have a, an end goal. I think that's really important before you even start is, you know, what's your end goal? Like when I created frame perfect, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm gonna milk the FGC out of some money because I had a funny idea for a T-shirt. It's, I I want this to get to a point where I'm able to sponsor people that aren't given opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Um, that is, that's the biggest thing I think when you get started is like, what do you want from this? If 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 I only wanted to play Street Fighter and you know, do okay at a local here and there, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I would probably be still in a crappy job and with no drive <laughs> and just pretty much hating life, you know? Same here. Yeah. Yeah, so something I thought about while you were saying that is that I honestly think that that same mindset that you're talking about of having an end game, 
I definitely think that applies to the best players in, in Street Fighter or any fighting game, honestly, too, is like their end goal is very specific and they've worked towards that. Like, because one of the issues that I noticed is that within my practice of Street Fighter V, if it's sporadic, then I'm not going to be improving anything. But if it's focused mm -hmm. and I have something that I choose, I can get better at it if I work towards it. Yeah, it's like training where like when I first started playing and I was, you know, not good because I was very much a very casual Street Fighter player for the past decade. Um, and I sat down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to practice anti-airs. It's just like that. You focus on something to improve instead of just like, like you said, going in sporadically, like, oh, I'm just going to play a bunch of casual matches. And if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's very important to no set your set small goals even if it's small goals like okay i'm gonna go in here and i'm going to anti-air every jump i'm going to work on counter hit confirms stuff like that like you know that applies outside of the game too. small goals even if i sit down and i'm like you know i have to get two shirts designed tonight because i want to release these tomorrow you know even if i only do one it, it that's that's fine i just have to have a good understanding of that goal mm -hmm. when I when I go into it, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have something like, I want to get better in Street Fighter, which isn't a bad goal, per se, or, or get better at any kind of skill. But the issue is, when it's not it defined... Or go ahead. Right. It doesn't really... Like, the getting better, like that doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? Sorry, I interrupted. No, no, please elaborate. No, like, like that's such a nebulous goal, like, getting better. Um... You know, because every day you get better. You you learn from what you did the last time you played. You know, if if I lose to Abigail command grabbing me five times in a row, like I'm gonna jump the fifth time. That's that's knowledge that I got from those previous five interactions. Mm -hmm. So like I've gotten better. That's just so nebulous to me. Mm -hmm. I want you know small goal where like okay i'm not gonna let this guy jump on me anymore or i'm not gonna get hit by any command grabs instead of getting command grab five times in a row you know right that's it's important for people to set a goal and i have to say i don't really think rank is that either like i i hate as we know uh cfn just blows pretty much <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible and i think people Put too much. Sorry if I'm going off on a tangent, but I think people to put way too much stock into rank too. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you know the player Ramos. He's like a Vega player. He lives in Florida, and I would say he's probably top five Vegas in the United States. And like he's rookie, and like I feel for those players that get him <laughs> when they first boot up the game, you know, in like a casual match, and he just totally demolishes them. But like. I just think people put too much stock into that stuff because that'll give you gray hair real quick playing ranked in this game. Oh, yeah, especially when your goal is just to, to literally rank up and not do anything specific. Yeah, you don't get anything out of stuff like that. Like, that's just, uh, you're running on a treadmill. There's always going to be more points, even if my goal is like, hey, I'm going to get 500 points tonight. And there's no guarantee you're going to hit that. If you don't hit that, then you're going to beat yourself up. And that's never conducive to growing, <laughs> beating yourself up or saying, wow, I really sucked tonight. Now, given we're all like that at some point, but it's it's not conducive to growth. Mm -hmm. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, if you're beating yourself up, you're not you're, you're wasting time not looking at the things that you could have potentially learned. Absolutely. With what you said about, you know, rank mode, what do you do to get better? I love battle lounging. That's my new thing. I, 
not really new, I guess for the past six months. Previously, my only goal was to get to Diamond. And then I did that uh, about a year and a half ago. And I just stopped playing ranked because I'm like, okay, if I sit in this rank, I get anywhere from Ultra Platinum to, you know, Ultimate Grandmaster or Warlord or whatever, if there's any in my region. I get all those people in casual match. And that's fine. I, I don't need to prove anymore. And then Battle Lounge, for me, I will pick out specific characters that I have issue with. So if I go to a local, um, we have two in my area. One I don't go to, but in my defense, it's at my job. So like I have two days off a week. I don't want to go to my job on one of my days off. But the other one I go to, so if I go and I lose to, say, an Alex player and <laughs> probably an M. Bison, because we have XDSC Hitman in our, in our uh, local pool here. He's a very good Bison player. I'll come home and I will battle lounge with the strongest player that plays that character that I can possibly think of. And on top of that, I think another thing that's really important that a lot of people don't do is playing against weaker players too. Because we think of like a pool setting. Like when I went to Evo, I went 3-2 and at Evo. But my first match was against Nikali, who admittedly I really don't know the matchup that well. But he was significantly weaker than me, and I got lucky because you know how it is in Street Fighter Five, you can you can get outguessed, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. all day, you know. And then my second match was like an Akuma player, and that's the same thing. Same thing with Akuma. He I think he got around on me. I I, I beat him 2-0. but you know that could have very very well, even though the guy was weaker than me, that could have very well went in a bad direction with three wrong guesses. So I think it's important to play with people that are weaker than you too, just so that you remember like a pool setting. Like you're not gonna always have to fight Cool Kid or, or Rob TV. You know, it's you're gonna fight Johnny Bag of Donuts probably first. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't remember how to fight like you know, uh, Super Gold Akuma style, you, you know, you might get caught up. First to two is scary, man. First to two is really scary now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have learned that the hard way. Oh, yeah, man. that it's... happened to me. That happened to me at KIT. Um, we went to KIT last year, 2018, and they had at, in that KIT everything was first to three, and I was salty. Man, I was so salty because I lost. My first guy didn't show up, so I got I got a DQ advance. Then my second guy, I lost to him. I was up 2-0, and then he reverse swept me. And then he had <laughs> shout outs to Walmart. That Walmart's he's the homie now. But I was so mad. Uh, he reverse swept me and then he went up and told the TOs that I won because he wanted to go eat. I'm bro, I was so mad. I felt so disrespected. Oh wow, dang, yeah. Yeah, I felt so disrespected. But he's he's a cool dude. We met up at Combo Breaker and we played some sets, but he's a cool dude. But yeah, that's a see that's he's stronger. He was stronger than me at the time, but I eked it out in the first to two setting. That that stuff is scary and then he came back and three reverse three owed me <laughs> so i was pretty mad but that just goes to show you like you can you can still lose the weaker players just because they're online rank or you know you, you can just underestimate them it, it first to two is quick real quick rounds i'm gonna get back on topic because i could go down this rabbit hole for a while and i think this kind of stuff is fascinating but um i did say i was gonna ask what was the the origin of your name Ocelot Youth. So, of course, you've played Metal Gear Solid 3, oh, because yeah. who hasn't? Um, the Ocelot Youth are 
Ocelot's squad, like the, the kids. I think they're just called the Ocelot unit in America, but in the Japanese version, they're called the Ocelot youth. The only reason I know that is because on the soundtrack of MGS3, that like the Ocelot theme is called Confrontation with Ocelot Youth. Oh, and, you're right. Yeah, and the first time I saw that, man, I was like, God, that's so cool. So I've been Ocelot Youth for probably probably since 2006, 2007. It's been a long time. Okay, that's sick. Yeah, been love that character. Time. Yeah, he's a pretty cool character. Just the, the lore of that character, he's been in almost every Metal Gear, the, the main five uh, series, and even other ones as well. But yeah, he's... He's a cool character. Respect. I yeah. like that. Well, you're Cypher, so you get it, man. I do get it. I do get it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Let me see here. Oh, why did you pick Vega and, and Birdie? Why, why those characters? I picked Birdie, like I said, just because I played him in Alpha 2. I didn't care if he was going to be good or not. And, you know, when I first started playing Street Fighter V, I didn't even have a system. I didn't have a PC that can run it. I was playing it at a barcade. Like one of one of my jobs competitors had a PS4 set up with season one Street Fighter Five, and I just went. Uh, Sarah, my wife, shout out Lightbright JPEG. She mm-hmm. she worked she worked at the pizzeria that was right next door to this barcade. So I would drop her off and I would go into this barcade and I would have a beer and I would just grind in. Like I would think I was playing survival mode even at the time um, with Birdie. And I was just like, man, this character is so cool. I haven't seen this guy in, in forever. Um, and then we ended up buying a setup. And, you know, I, I kind of refell in love with the character. And then to play Vega, <laughs> I always liked Vega as a character. I just find him really interesting. He's like a serial killer, but he's kind of like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it's, it's, he's a cool character to me. But I, n- I had no interest in playing him in Street Fighter V. And then... We bought a second setup because my wife fell in love with the game. And a little about her, she has never ever played a video game <laughs> before Street Fighter V. Like, oh, dang. Yeah, she just missed it completely. Like, She was into music and stuff growing up and just never got into video games. And I brought her with me to a weekly, and I was like, just try it out. You'll like it. Trust me. She fought me. She's like, no, I don't want to do it. This is boring. And I told her, just try it. It's free. Like you're you're not losing anything. And I was playing on a Dual Shock at the time. I didn't have a stick or anything. And uh, I gave her my Dual Shock, and she tried it. And I think she picked Jury just like on a whim, and really fell in love with it. So we had to buy a second setup. And uh, she started with Chun, and then she moved to I think Zangief. And she was doing the same thing I was doing, where she was just like playing survival, and like just screaming when you get to like the final M bison and like easy survival or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, I think the second or third to last match is, is Vega in, in easy survival. And she was just like, this character is awesome. Like, tell me all you think, everything you know about this character. So me being a lore head, I, I like explained, you know, okay, well he's a beautiful guy and he hates everything that's ugly. And, you know, she, for some reason <laughs> was attracted to that. So to, she wanted me to train her to play, but I didn't know how to play Vega. So basically to train Sarah, I had to learn Vega. That's how I got wrapped up in this whole Vega mess. And now I'm getting to a point where I'm like, I'm starting to be known for being a Vega player, at least locally. You know, like people are like, 
it's not true, but people on commentary are like, oh, yeah, he dropped birdie for Vega. I'm like, no, he's just – I like set play, and I can do set play really easy with Vega. Ah. <laughs> uh. I gotta say that's some. Uh, hopefully you don't hate this anime, but that's some like high score, high score girl level. Uh, awesome. Oh, I love high score girl. Oh, okay, good, good, good. I, admittedly, I haven't finished it, but okay. I think, I think we're like three quarters of the way through. No, I, I got a, I got one of my friends to pick me up the high score girl shirt from Eva Japan, so I'm really stoked. Oh, to- this- I don't remember who it was, but it was someone in top eight. They made it in top eight. I remember seeing that shirt. That's sick. Okay. Yeah, that that shirt is great. Um, so I asked you all about your business, but tell me a little bit of, about like what kind of designs you currently have in there. Well, I started, um, I don't know if you're familiar with like the punk rock scene at all, but they, in, in, in the kind of DIY scene, they do bootlegs and bootlegs is a huge thing. Um, and it could be like parody shirts of band tees or anything like that. So that's kind of how I started it out. Um, when I first started it, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do some parody shirts of bands that I like. You know, like my first shirt was a Vega typo negative shirt. And then, you know, I don't expect people in the FGC to really know who typo negative is. I just want people to see that and be like, damn, that's sick. <laughs> and I like Vega. So I'm going to buy that. And then I did a birdie shirt. And, and, uh, you know, the first series, I, I, actually retitled the first series of shirts that I put out called the 5050 collection. So it's kind of like uh, kind of music kind of gaming. But as I, I think I had like seven or eight designs and they were all character specific. And I was kind of just like, you know, these are really narrow. That, that's such a narrow field. Like I don't expect every birdie player to buy the birdie shirt. And if you're looking at my shop and say you play, uh, God, I don't know, Falk, you know, like there's nothing for you in that shirt in that shop because I don't have a Falk shirt. So I kind of wanted to get into a, a a way, I guess, more similar to like Broken Tear, where I was a pretty pretty deeply inspired by Broken Tear, and I just want shirts that anyone could pick up. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't matter what character you play, it doesn't even matter what game you play. A shirt that says like you are free on it that's <laughs> that's pretty universal you know what's your favorite fighting game favorite fighting game of all time jeez i would say street fighter alpha 2 favorite fighting game character of all time you know what i don't want to say birdie cuz i think that's too obvious <laughs> <laughs> can i give you can i give you 3 sure okay top 3 okay i'll give you birdie as one of those cool then I'm going to give you Reptile for Mortal Kombat. Okay. And then I'm going to give you... I'll give you Sodom from Street Fighter Alpha slash Final Fight. Nice. I'm a big UMK3 head, too. I, I don't think I mentioned that, but I'm, I'm huge in MK3. That's classic. Yeah, it's great, man. I can't get enough of it. They have it at our bar, and like I'll clock out from work and literally just go over there and play for like an hour, two hours. It's so fun. Dang, that's crazy. I love how timeless fighting games can be. Yeah, I mean, I, I never liked MK3 growing up. I was always a big uh, MK2 head. And it's so much slower. But, man, MK3, like, if you want to see a game that's, like, super aggressive, like, people talk about, like, how oppressive the pressure and the rushdown is in Street Fighter V with, like, a Buki and all that. Like, look at some high-level MK3. That stuff is nuts. 
<laughs> like they make me laugh because of the animations. Yeah. But yeah oh, right. they're so funny. Like you're just running nonstop and just jabbing nonstop. Like jab pressure. It's so stupid. It's dumb to even say it. Jab pressure, and it's just like holding block and matching high punch, but it works. Okay, and then the, people want to check out what you're doing. Like check out you, or your social media, or or your um, frame perfect. Where can they find you? Uh, on Twitter, my Twitter is xoslotyouth. Frame Perfect's Twitter is Frame Perfect FGC, and that worked out well because it's Fighting Game Club, uh, as mm. the new sh say. <laughs> um, also on Facebook, just at Frame Perfect, and I think I'm on Instagram too. Although I admittedly don't use Instagram that much, but I'm at Frame Perfect FGC on Instagram also. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys watching the show, guys and girls trying to be neutral. Make sure you guys leave comments down below. Let us know what you thought about. Ocelot's mindset on entrepreneurship, you know, just learning fighting games. Let's get that conversation going. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for stopping by. I appreciate you. And as always, I will see you all in the next one.